Little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he churned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step out of the cold. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. Um, Gatto is here. My name is Tom. Q is not here tonight. He has, in fact, been picked up by the black helicopters and has been gulagged for the foreseeable future. We will miss him. We'll write him every day. We're sending him a cake with a with a nail file in there and hoping that he can escape. But other than that, Gatto, how are you? Uh, on the condition of our release, we, we can't go into any further details. About yeah, it. I signed an NDA. I can't get into it too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm doing all right, man. Uh, you know. Another crazy week in the books. How about yourself? Living my best life, my man. Just lounging around. Mm. What are you sipping on right there? A uh, little, little bourbon, little bourbon. Oh, get into the bourbon game? Yeah, to a certain extent, because I've realized that it's incredibly expensive to get into like the good bourbon game. So every now and again, I'll treat myself to something special. Yeah, yeah, the the bougie bourbons can't can't touch those. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go into the liquor store and I'm looking around and it's like ninety dollars a bottle. I'm like, uh, first off, I don't even know if this is worth that, and then mm. second, I don't even know if I'd be able to tell that it's worth it. So, I enjoy bourbon. I like it. I like to drink it periodically. But if I were to sit down and tell you like what the distinct notes are between like old forester and four roses. I just pour me another glass and I'll tell you a story or something. <laughs> I get, you could just tell me whether or not it'll give you a bad hangover in the morning, huh? Yeah. If you drink enough of this, it'll hurt your brain. <laughs> yeah. You know, I kind of like, uh, I had a boss that, uh, you know, he was into the bourbons and like, you know, uh, if I found if I found a bourbon and I knew we were going to be, you know, on the road somewhere, I'd be I'd grab the bottle or whatever. And we'd we'd have a couple of a couple drinks. And like, you know, th there's the cool thing is like the proliferation of like uh, small, small distilleries now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Into the bourbon game. Like it's it's pretty cool. And they all have their different. I don't know. Is it is it part of the process that is different for for the different bourbons or is it what they're actually um aging it in i don't i really don't even know <laughs> yeah i mean there's there's certain processes that are done like bourbon is different than rye it's just a different kind of like it's 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 how it's put together um mm -hmm. and then how long they let it sit and things like that but i mean it is exciting because I feel like I've moved past that phase where I'm like, I'm just going to drink a ton of beer at home. Now I'm like, <laughs> I want to have a glass of bourbon and it doesn't burn the shit out of my throat when I drink it now. 
So wow. I think I've I think I finally grown up. Graduated. Yeah, like I tuck my shirt in now and shit. Like Tom, you've been tucking your shirt in since I've known you. I I know, but, but now I'm tucking <laughs> it into my pajamas. Oh God. You, do you put on that little like "Don't wake Daddy"? Um, you know, like the hat that has the little ball on the side. Yeah, I mean, and you, you walk know, around with holiday, a candlestick for the holiday season. <laughs> yeah, I'm that guy that just runs, like, just walks consent, like, just walks circles in my lawn, just looking at the grass, and you know, I've got the black shoes on with the white, like, ankle socks on. Your neighbors must be horrified. <laughs> yeah, they're like, who the fuck is this guy? What is going on right now? Oh, that's just Tom. He's drinking his bourbon again. He's hammered. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm how was your um, how was your football <laughs> weekend here? Uh, time? uh <sighs> you know, there was still this weird glimmer of hope inside of me that said not that the that the giants were going to win i don't want the giants to win i think i'm like most fans at the giant fans at this point are just like you know embrace the suck you know it's going to sting this year but at the end of all of that we will rise from the ashes and we will suck a little less next year and um it was just brutal i thought they'd at least try to hang tough for for two seconds in that game maybe give us a half of a game you know where they they at least confuse the the cowboy offense because it's not a great offense it's not it's nothing special it's it's mediocre at best and tony pollard he seems to have like a negative magnetic attraction to the end zone like he just can't find his way there um but for whatever reason like I guess maybe it's a confidence thing. Dak Prescott looks like an absolute stud when he plays against the Giants now. He's got so much I, confidence. I will say that one pick that he had was, you know, that was bad from him. That was pretty clear, like, hey, something good might happen in this game for the Giants if they're able to do that a couple more times. And then it was just getting completely obliterated. Yeah, they they didn't. They didn't really stand a chance. I mean, again, it just it fell apart fast, and then I think the whole team just gave up. And that's the that's where there is a little bit of a danger, in my opinion, for the Giants is that they have given up on this this year, and they're not trying to grow or build anything salvageable going into the you know off season and and i think that's important for teams to at least have some sort of positive direction or hope to to grow towards or look towards and i think it's hard if you don't have a quarterback like if you're bad but you have a quarterback like that means you're at least in games mm -hmm. now it's Everyone was a little 50-50 on Daniel Jones to start the season, but he got his bag and, you know, okay, this is our guy. And he comes out looking like complete shit. He gets hurt. Tyrod Taylor gets hurt. Now you're stuck with a guy who... Bucket of eels. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, like, Tommy DeVito, he's a Syracuse guy. I'm a Syracuse fan. Like, 
God bless him, but uh, it wasn't great when he was at Syracuse, probably because the protection was pretty shitty, but he did get a chance to throw a touchdown, so good for him. Which, which but, is probably I mean, why he got he got drafted to the – well, he got picked up by the Giants, not drafted. I mean, he's a Jersey kid, too. <laughs> like, he's got connections, and at that point, if you're going to be a third-string quarterback, you need to have some, like, ties to the area or something that gives you a little, like, fan attention, but – I mean, I can imagine being an NFL player and, you know, the, the primary role that gets the entire team motivated and moving is either ineffective or hurt. And you now have done that twice. It's very hard to get any kind of like motivation to get out there and push it because you're just out there. Like I would imagine now it's the team is just there to not get hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, you're making a good point and it also oh, thank you yeah i mean you make good points you do make good points you know from time to time um, <laughs> that's why people listen um, but uh it's actually interesting because i feel there's another team right now in the nfl that might be going through that and they're at a much they have much higher stakes involved in this and that ends up being the uh browns with the news oh, that sean yeah, watson man. is done for the year and um, now they're kind of in the same boat with this quarterback issue because effectively, I, I don't think I've seen, I mean, I don't think I've seen a game like that from Deshaun Watson in years. Like it's probably been two years since he's had a, a crazy good game like that. And then to beat a team that I, I think that really charted a course for opportunity for them beating the red hot, you know, Ravens. Um, who we picked to win that game too. Oh, handedly. Like there wasn't even a doubt in our minds. I mean, but we're also, we've always been a little bit suspect of Deshaun Watson. So it, it just, <laughs> don't he, mention Deshaun Watson and suspect in the same sentence. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come on now. Allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly he's suspect. Allegedly his play performance is suspect. Um, and it's, I guess it's no longer in question, but the hardiness of him as a player. Now that is something that is suspect, I would say. And so he's done for the year. Yeah. What do I mean, do now from the report was that he had a broken bone in his shoulder. And I think mm -hmm. the question that people should be asking, and we have a platform now, so we can be the ones to ask this question. God, Let's I'm ask like, this question. Was, was he hurt prior to this game? Like, was that affecting him prior to this game? And if so, how long has it been affecting him for? Because he's missed a couple of games already this season, whether it was a concussion or something else, like an undisclosed injury. But was he trying to play through pain? And then, like, come Monday, he's like, look, man, I can't do this anymore. My my arm is shot. It hurts. I can't throw anymore. Um. I, I would be very, very curious to see how that's gone. Um, so what I do believe is actually this, this is the game that uh, it happened in this game specifically. And um, so uh, Kevin Cole, he's um, the head of data analytics at Roto Grinders. He posted on X a video um, from the game. It was early in the second quarter. It was a six yard scramble um, where, he gets sandwiched between um, two defenders, um, the the cornerback and, and the middle linebacker. Or no, 
It was uh, it was an edge rusher. I, I, I'm okay. not sure who. And um, that's where they're saying he likely had the injury. So it did happen during this game, but he wasn't 100% prior to this. And to that point, maybe this is something that because he wasn't 100% prior to this game, when he did get hit, it hurt him that much more. And it directly, you know, caused this. I, I It's wild because it was a six-yard scramble, right? Why yeah. is he taking... Why is he taking all of this risk? And this this goes to like maybe his effectiveness as a quarterback or, you know, to make kind of good decisions. Um, he decides to like run right between two defenders and basically pins himself right there. And and so it's not a good judgment call on him in that situation. Just for two for six yards. It was it was actually it was wait, I'm sorry, it was a three yard scramble. On second Yikes. and nine. So it really didn't put you in a, a better place. You know what I mean? It, it didn't do anything for you. Yeah. So now the question is, I mean, I, I will say too, before we move any further in this, like they've also won games in spite of him too. So it's not like they're losing a star. It's not like they're losing the guy that was like winning games for them. Um, Deshaun Watson has been very up and down all year. And there have been games that he's played terrible in and they've won. So now it's going to come down to, and I'm going to put you in the position of head coach, coach Gatto. Um, are you in the PJ Walker camp? Or are you in the Dorian Thompson Robinson camp? Like Robinson Thompson Robinson is a rookie, but He's also a little bit bigger, a little bit more athletic than PJ Walker. Like if you had to choose, if you're making that decision for Sunday, who are you picking? I am picking Thompson. Uh, I, when I heard that there was discussion of him or PJ Walker, I was like, you know what? Where you are in the season versus the lack of film and tape and study on him. He will probably have at least four good games for you, which might be enough to put you in the right position that you can lean on somebody else to get you through the season. Um, or you can kind of coast if you continue on a good trend or if he can get you those couple of games, there's always that when you come into the league, <laughs> those first few games, no one really knows who you are. No one's really got a good tell on what you're, what you're going to do. And so you get that grace period to just perform. So as long as he doesn't come out and he's, you know, as long as he comes out and he's confident, I think that, they can probably at least sustain. I mean, they're they're a talented football team. They've 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 gone all in on this on this team to to have results, right? Yeah. And I I don't think it hurts you at all. I mean, we've seen what PJ Walker kind of gives you, and it's not a whole great. lot. Not it's a whole not, lot. <laughs> no, it's it's pretty dreadful actually. So, in in my opinion, it's the move. I think it is the right move. Yeah. What I about you, that, Tom? Um, I think Dorian Thompson Robinson provides you with at least athleticism from your third string quarterback. And I think if you're looking for somebody who is going to be able to hand the ball off to Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt and at times pass, but can also make can make a play with their legs, I think mm -hmm. you have to go DTR. Um, I I mean 
I've watched the Carolina Panthers the last couple of years. PJ Walker doesn't wow anybody. I think he's like six for six, six and 16 overall touchdown to interceptions for his career. Um, I would rather, I would rather try it with the younger guy who's got a little bit of a bigger frame um, and just see where it goes. So, I mean, they're kind of screwed right now because I think from a division standpoint, they are now in the weakest position because that's the biggest hill to climb. Yeah. For whatever reason, I don't know how the Steelers keep winning fucking football games and it's driving me nuts because I'm a George Pickens. I have George Pickens on my fantasy team and he does absolutely nothing every fucking week. Um, Baltimore, they'll have those rando games where they lose like that. But for the most part, I mean, we, we were talking about them being one of the best teams in the league last week. And I think this is a critical game for Cincinnati to win. I think they played tonight, right? They have to win. They yes, have to tonight is tonight. tonight is a great Thursday night. It's the be- uh, best one of the the year thus far. Yeah, it is Ravens since uh, Ravens Bengals um, both coming off of playing Sunday, so nobody's got an advantage in game plan for this. Uh, I'm pretty sure both coming off of field goals kicked against them and losing too. And they, yep, they both lost this week. So th- this is a big one. They both need this. This is the most competitive, in my opinion, I think I said this last week, this is the most competitive um, division in football right now. It's the the highest talent caliber going forward. The The Bengals have found themselves, or at least it, is, I, it looks like they've found themselves. They're still struggling a bit, but that could be just, you know, the Zach Taylor effect that we, we love to <laughs> assume is occurring. Um, but... Yeah, I, you know, for them, it's, it's, this is a, this is a, de- this is a must for both teams. Um, yeah. I, yeah. And I, and, yeah. Sorry, Tom. No, I was just going to say, like, I think it's whoever is able to win this game. Well, I think Baltimore, first and foremost, needs to win this game in order to stay on top of the division. And, mm-hmm. Cincinnati needs to win this game in order to just stay in the playoff conversation too. And they're going to have to find a way to beat the Steelers later on too. But I agree with you. I think this is probably the most interesting. This is probably the most interesting division in football. Nobody else has the same kind of like, I don't think the Cowboys are the same caliber team as the Eagles. And they've shown that I, there's nothing in the AFC East outside and we'll get to the bills, but there's nothing outside of, the Dolphins at this point, even though they might be a little up and down. NFC South, no thank you. AFC South, I'm all set. Mm-hmm. Um, NFC North, everyone's fucking hurt or doesn't care. And then there's the Lions. Yeah. And then and then the, <laughs> and then the other one might be I don't know. Like, shit. There's nobody else. Like, I yeah. guess I guess I, I would actually say Minnesota might be. I guess. Yeah. Minnesota might actually be one of the more interesting stories at the moment. Houston Texans are a team that actually you want to watch for the first time in years. Um, but other than that, I mean, like the focus really is in this this AFC North um, division right now because it just seems like this is where where the chips get laid out, right? And do, the do setup think, for the playoffs stems out of what happens here. Do you think that the NFC, the AFC North will have a Super Bowl team in it? 
It potentially could. Well, like, so if the Bengals can, you know, continue towards the playoffs and get there, you can't rule them out. They shine for whatever reason in the postseason. Um, and, you know, for like the Ravens didn't lose bad. Just Deshaun Watson really came to play. And like that was what the Bills were betting on. Uh, the Bills, the, the Browns were betting on uh, to get out of him for what they paid. Right. Like that was them getting their money's worth, I think, for the first time this season. So, yeah, he it, finally made at least a game check from the two hundred and thirty million dollars they paid him. Yeah, that that was, you know, that was probably the first time they felt satisfied in that decision. Um, holy, holy. Somebody, somebody's been satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear the allegation before that game. There was a massage incident. Um. Oh, no. <laughs> Sean, we know that you hurt your shoulder. That does not mean you can go to the massage parlor. You have to use the one in the facility. He's he's strictly th- Theragun at this point. Yeah. Hans <laughs> will supervise you using the Theragun. <laughs> Keep there's it on the be, shoulder. Keep it on the shoulder. There's his attorney is always present when he's getting a massage. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh no. <sighs> well, speaking of divisions, I wanted to bring this up to you. Um, I know that you didn't watch a ton of the Bills Broncos game. Um, and I, I think I was in and out of sleep. <laughs> I was desperate for some sleep at that point. You know what? That game though. You could have probably slept through it. Wasn't a big deal. I think the outcome is more important than what actually happened in the game. But I think first and foremost, we have to give flowers to Russell Wilson because although he is not exactly lighting the world on fire in Denver, his numbers from last year to this year are completely different and Mm -hmm. they are much, much better. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's the Sean Payton effect or him like losing 15 pounds in the off season or just being healthy, but that team is not better than what it was last year, but no. he's just played much better. Like the yardage per game doesn't really bear that out, but fewer turnovers, more touchdowns, better decision-making. Um, so I think we just need to say kudos to him. He has not been great the last two years or so, but he's at least making it harder for people to say he's completely cooked. I Okay, so I will say he's effectively doing better at the quarterback position than he has in years. But I also wonder, they've started to get kind of a running game going with Javante Williams. Um I wonder if less of the decision making is being handed to him and it's coming straight from Peyton a little bit more now. Um I'm I'm starting to just wonder if the part of that success is that they're actually just he's going in there and he's being a player, not a manager as much in these games. Yeah. Um I it, the the only reason I wonder that is because looking at when he was this productive in Seattle, he was also not the person making a lot of those decisions. He's great at scrambling when the play gets out of hand, right? 
-hmm. and maybe he's redeveloped that sense because he's gotten in shape but i think also they've taken away some of that decision making that um nathaniel hackett had given him kind of carte blanche on the field to make his calls and check down when he needed to and i don't know i have to look at the numbers on how many audibles he might have called during those games or how much how much in provision he's he's had over the last couple of weeks but i've seen the you know like it is good to mention tom I'm glad you did mention it because i've seen an uptick just in the quality of their games like in the beginning of the season they were still losing but they were losing a lot closer they're, they're scoring finally a lot of points. turning. They're finally, yeah, and they're finally turning the corner, right? And and I think that that probably is a coaching change, right? Because we all said mm-hmm. Nathaniel Hackett, you know, Hackett couldn't hack it. <laughs> Hackett couldn't hack it. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, yeah, you know, at the moment, right? We're we're seeing that Denver still has some fight in them. Yeah, I mean, I think that team, and I was kind of surprised, and I think we all were really, when they didn't trade anybody at the deadline. Like, they didn't trade Judge Judy. They didn't trade Courtney Sutton, um, Javante Williams. All those guys stayed. And, I mean, this is a team that's hungry for draft picks, too. Like, Mm -hmm. they need bodies on that team. And they're not going to get replenished if they just wait around. So, I think... And I don't necessarily know because, I mean, we all remember how critical Sean Payton was of Russell Wilson at the start of the season, but his numbers are completely different. Like he ended mm-hmm. last year 16 for 16 and 11 touchdown interceptions. This year is 18 to four. 18 and, to four. Yeah. And his passing percentage, his completion percentage is up to 67.9. It was 60.5 to end the year. That was last year. So he's completing more passes. Again, yards per game is still not like super high, but he is playing much better. But I would I would wonder, and I, I'm inclined to agree with you, that they've probably taken a lot of the decision-making out of his hands. They probably made the offense a little bit less complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've also done, like, they get him out of the pocket more. They make him run around a little bit more. Like, he's a shorter guy. He's not going to be able to sit there behind five offensive linemen who are all, like, 6'3 and That's above. That's a very big point. Yeah. And I've and I don't know why, but I see a lot of offensive coordinators just unwilling to do that. I see a lot of coordinators that are just unwilling. They, they just want their guy sitting in the pocket making decisions that way when it's like, Hey, I mean, if you get them out on like a bootleg or you get them to move outside of the pocket a little bit, the, the whole field shifts and you can see things a little bit differently. Um, and I think they're starting to take advantage of that. And I mean, good on Russell Wilson. And it's nice to see that team playing at least competitive football again, because they've been, they've been ass for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think, trying to answer your question about why offensive coordinators want them to sit in the pocket one longevity two, it does make trust. sense because we just talked about Deshaun Watson getting hurt for the seasons on a scramble so yeah, I will eat my words there an older guy that you know has has had some injury issues in the past um, additionally I think the the part of there's there's a level of control but also you have to wor- wonder about your blocking uh, abilities, you know, who, who is, who's able to make that reach block, 
for you. Um, and who's not going to hold too? Yeah, and that's and that's a bit of it too. Is that it's a lot easier to scheme because it starts with your your blocking schemes. I, I would mm-hmm. I would imagine for most teams, um, the distribution has just it's gotten better. I think um, this year for you know for the Broncos, Cortland Sutton's finally getting um, you know a good share. He's getting about twenty four percent of the total targets. So, you know, it's it's where we we expected we expected these numbers like two years ago where right. him and Jerry Judy were, you know, really going to be shining. And they're finally they're finally getting there and and that they found someone that's reliable, too. And and that's also injuries. Right. They couldn't stay healthy. Both of those year. guys have been hurt consistently ever since they got into the league. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's when the right things come together, you know, you. uh you know, you can actually start winning games, I guess, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like when a plan comes together. Um, they they are also they're also scoring a lot in the fourth quarter. Um, mm. a significant significant increase in the fourth quarter. They're able to make plays late in games, and I think that's a huge part of the success. That could also be the skill of a coaching staff that knows how to make the right adjustments. Yeah. And I think having Sean Payton there as a guy who's made his bones as an offensive coordinator definitely helps, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and not just a guy like Nathaniel Hackett, who Aaron Rodgers likes it's, this is a guy who's actually like, he's won a super bowl. He was a highly coveted coordinator with, the Cowboys. And then when he got with new Orleans, he completely changed the culture there. And they went from a like annual, like punching bag to a team that people were really scared of because they could drop 40 on you at any time and they could score on you in like less than a minute. So I'll be curious to see like, if they continue with this like cohort of players, Mm -hmm next year or they try to like blow it up and, and trade for somebody else because they might be in that window where they're able to get somebody. But I wanted to switch sides of the field here to talk a little bit more about the bills. And when we started this podcast, we were, we were billed. We were very bills pilled. And mm-hmm. <laughs> ever since then, like I'm, I think all of us at one point had them as a team that was going to play in the Super Bowl, but they have just completely fallen apart. And I mean, they just fired Ken Dorsey, who is their offensive coordinator, but it seems that that team has really, really just melted down while he was the coordinator. And you can't necessarily blame the coordinators for everything, but there is a stark difference between how that offense ran under Brian Dayball versus Ken Dorsey. And they are, I think I think they have a 500 record, but I don't consider them a threat anymore. They're pretty much cooked. Yeah, uh, it just it's so one of the one of the things that um, I'm I'm trying to look up right now is just the lion's share of who's getting targets there, what's going on. Like Josh, Jer- oh, Josh, Josh Allen has not sounded uh, or has not. Has not he's not um, played well, man. Performed no, not at all. And I don't know if that's because there's not there's not a presence maybe coaching him or in his ear enough. 
um, walking him through or helping him analyze these things. And, and I think he, he feels responsible. He's, he, he's outwardly admitted that he feels responsible for Ken Dorsey's demise in Buffalo. Um, but it just seems that the, the case, uh, it just, it, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, it just seems like the uh, the issue. I've lost my track of thought. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. I, oh, oh I think I think I think the issue is <laughs> is that it, particularly for an NFL team, like the window is very the sh- the window of opportunity for those teams is very very short, and I feel like. 2021 and then 2022 were really their window to be able to at least get into the Super Bowl. And they got real close in that game against the Chiefs, and they have not really been closer since then. But, I mean, Von Miller signing has been kind of hit or miss. They don't really have – Gabe Davis is a number two receiver, but I don't know necessarily how reliable he is. But I think the thing that's the most important to keep in mind is that when Dayball was there, Josh Allen's play had significantly improved. Like the interceptions were still there, but at the same time, it was very much like better decision-making from the pocket, um, more efficient, didn't run as much, but when he did, it was very effective. Now it's just like YOLO ball. It's throwing the ball up to try to like, get like big chunk plays and they don't work. And I I don't necessarily know, like you can't blame all of that on Ken Dorsey. Like there's only so much that he can control from the booth or from calling plays. But at the end of the day, I'm worried that this team, the window is closed for them and it's probably going to cost Sean McDermott his job because they have significantly regressed at a, like at a number of areas. And this team just doesn't seem either motivated or disciplined enough to kind of figure it out. Yeah. I mean, do the, the, the things I wonder about the bills, um, like, is it, Is it that this team doesn't believe in itself anymore? Like, have they lost? Well, it's the older, right? It's an older team now. Yeah, which doesn't necessarily lend itself to being less sure, but like they've seen more at this point, right? I wonder yeah. if the problem is the lack of, like, the stagnation is actually causing an issue for them, where they haven't gone out and really made some some bigger changes to shake things up. And something can be said about leaving your team the same because, hey, let's face it, for for the last couple of years, don't don't fix what's not broken. You know what I yeah. mean? And so when when you do that and you don't really try to you know add things or make changes to your game, it becomes you become easier to read. There is more film on your consistencies on on your you know tendencies that exists now. And, you know, without having that every so often that piece of personnel coming in to, um, you know, change, you know, change how a team is going to come in and face you, you know, they're, 
they're just going to go with, you know, you already have teams that, you know, are playing you twice a year that have lots of footage on you. That's, that's what they're going to do. They're going to, they're, they're not going to deviate much. They're going to try the new things that, you know, you're, you're, you're beating yourself at that point, I guess. Yeah. And that was the big knock on Josh Allen too, right? Like he needed to grow and develop and stop making those like rookie and second year mistakes. And then it seemed like all of those problems effectively went away and now they're kind of back. And I don't necessarily, again, like I don't necessarily think it's solely the coordinator's fault, but like there, you know, you could have a smart guy who's an offensive coordinator a really talented player at quarterback and it just doesn't work. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like in some cases, personalities don't mix and guys might like each other, but there's just something that doesn't work. And maybe Ken Dorsey is not the world's best play caller. Maybe he's good at prepping games. Maybe he's a good quarterbacks coach, but the play calling has just been really disjointed. And I wanted to throw something else at you, Gatto, because I was running through a theory that I have. I think Sean McDermott gets fired at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which I think if they're looking to kind of like reboot this experience in Buffalo, that's probably what's going to have to happen. They'll probably have to hire a offensive minded coach because this is always what we see when offense stagnate on playoff teams and it's ran by defensive coordinator or defensive minded coach. They always fire that person and hire an offensive coordinator. I think Sean McDermott getting fired is going to trigger a ripple effect across the league where multiple coaches could potentially lose their jobs. So who have been the hot names when it comes to uh, who could be a head coach next year? It is Eric Bieniemy. It is Ben Johnson in Detroit. And who is the coordinator in San Diego? Oh, um, I can't remember his name. San Diego I, yeah. Chargers coaching staff. He played at Boise State. I know that for a fact. I just can't remember his name. Um, where Kellen are Moore. you? Helen Moore. Thank you so much. <laughs> so you have Eric Bieniemy from the Commanders. You have Ben Johnson from the the Lions, and then you have um, Kellen Moore from the Chargers. These are three guys who people hold in high regard. Bieniemy because of what he's been doing with Sam Howell. Johnson, what he's been doing in Detroit. That team looks unstoppable on offense, and Kellen Moore has been coveted since he was with Dallas. That said, Ben Johnson is the only one who is working for a coach whose job is secure. So what I think is going to happen is there are three teams that are in kind of that decision-making flux where it's Washington, probably Atlanta, probably San Diego, where they're going to say, we can't lose. Well, let's leave Atlanta out of this for a second. It's San Diego and Washington. They are going to say, we can't lose these guys because they work so well with our quarterbacks. Ron Rivera has been really sketchy and he has a losing record in Washington. I think the page is going to be turned on him. The defense is terrible. And then 
Brandon Staley has not been good as the Chargers head coach as well. I think both of those guys are relieved of their duties and their offensive coordinators take over solely to keep them on their teams instead of losing them mm-hmm. to the Bills. And I think the Bills ultimately will hire um I think the Bills will ultimately hire Ben Johnson. I think Atlanta will let cool. Arthur Smith go, but he's not going to want to go to Atlanta cuz frankly they don't have a fucking quarterback there and they're not close to having one either. So that's my theory. The enemy stays head coach of the Washington Commanders. He gets promoted to head coach of the Washington Commanders. Kellen Moore gets promoted to head coach for the Chargers solely to keep those guys with the current quarterbacks on those teams. Ben mm-hmm. Johnson goes to Buffalo. What do you think? Um, I mean, lay it on me. <laughs> I can take it. <laughs> It does sound it does sound pretty juicy. I, I I think they obviously they need something now, right? Like they're if they're not going to change up personnel, or at least they need a face that's going to come in and want to change up personnel. Who yeah. who do you think he would be bringing with him? Is the question. Kellen Moore. No, Johnson. Uh, let's take a look at their coaching staff. Cause I don't, I don't actually know if he'd be able to take anybody. Well, I mean, do you think there are players that will want to gravitate with him? Um, 2024 free agents. Cause the one thing I want to know is, you know, if you're coming into this team, where, where are you looking like is it the like what what where do you find that the problems lie like i think it it kind of it's the running game i think this this idea or this philosophy of like running running back by committee really has not been effective um because typically you just have like if you're lucky just one guy who's warm enough to have a good night I agreed. And and then the other two guys just don't produce for you and they're constantly not in it like they feel like they're not impacting the game enough in my opinion. I, I feel like all all of the running back by committees in the league just they have these down and out weeks and they re, they I think running backs are realizing they're devaluing their stock when they become part of this committee because they're they're washing their numbers, which make them get paid less. Well, yeah, I mean, like, how often do you see now like eleven carries for fifty yards instead of like when we were watching football in when we were much younger in high school and in college, where it was like you had a Ladanian Tomlinson who carried the ball like twenty two times, or yeah. a Thomas Jones who carried it a bunch, or um. Clinton Portis or Tiki Barber, like those were bell cows, right? Like guys yeah. who carry the ball 25, 26 times a game. I mean, we only have like maybe one or two guys like that now, Derek Henry and mm-hmm. uh, maybe Saquon Barkley periodically. I would say, yeah, Christian McCaffrey. You yeah, know. maybe Ramondre Stevenson whenever they feel like actually doing something up there. But I mean, Ramondre, Ramondre is about to become the only target on that team to get fucking to get a lion's share of the plays, man. Because I don't know. I guess 
Zappy's coming in. Like, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, there? I, all right, love yeah. that for them. I don't know. It's it's a bad it's a bad scene over there in Patriots. I mean, the AFC is just in a collapse right now. If there was a moment for the Jets, if there was any chance for the Jets, it would be this golden opportunity, and they are stuck with Zach Wilson. Like Sally is just like like every day he's like waking up and praying that that Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to come in by the end of the season. And you would think too, the guy who owns Johnson and Johnson pharmaceutical company would have some kind of like medical research. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yo man, you're holding out. Like you own this team. You're holding out on the players. Um, But I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't love the running back by committee shit either. I think it's, I think it's detrimental and, but you've also see a lot of teams like the bills and even the commanders where it's like, yeah, well we, we passed to set up the run and it's like, yeah, but and that's, the running that's, game also works really well too. Cause all these teams are fucking built to like stop the pass now. Yeah. And that's a trademark of like a defensive minded uh, club, right? Like, because they think of it in terms of how you're going to cause a defense to scheme. And that's why you just have three very bland, running backs usually that just are the same person right pretty much yeah and so because they're all very different they're all various versions of the same person yeah exactly and 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 that's because then you keep the defense guessing right if you have like a power runner versus you know speed runner and you're not playing both of them because let's face it 90 percent of your snaps are not 90 percent of your snaps but uh you know 60 percent of your your plays are going to be passes right or whatever it is now it, you're just you're you're not going to have both of them out on the field at the same time and defenses are going to key but i i think you still beat them down in a certain way that they'll have to respect whoever you put on the field as long as you have a solid feature back of some sort you know i think that's like philadelphia has a version of that where they run the ball enough But they do it in certain situations where it's like a third and four and they're able to run the ball and they're able to pick up a third down. Like that's, that's devastating to a team, but I, I think that is more demoralizing to be able to run the ball with authority and confidence that like, you know, certain five, but we're still going to do it. And we're running it out of a formation that's conducive to running and not like shotgun you know, running back is to my right if I'm the quarterback and I'm giving the ball to him and he's running to the left tackle, which is like, that shit pisses me off so Mm. much. Watching that play happen, I'm like, this is a loser 10 out of 10 times. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a bad play call. And I think in a lot of cases, I don't. now we're getting into a little bit of a tangent here, but I think a lot of offensive (laughs) coordinators have got like shotgun brained where they're like, everything needs to happen with a shotgun now. It's like, yeah, but... A lot of this shit doesn't work out of the shotgun either. It, it, I feel like if you're running things a lot out of your shotgun, it's because either your blocking schemes are shit or your quarterback is being lazy and his footwork is shit and you need to give him some extra steps, right? Like, it's, yeah, it's basically you're doing it out of mostly failures. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, that, and the league has obviously transitioned to more of a shotgun system, but that works for passing, right? That's helpful because you get to see the field a little bit more. Um, your eyes stay 
in the full spectrum instead of like turning around and having to refocus of where you are and get your bearings again. But that doesn't work when you're running the football though, like running out of shotgun, like so few of those plays are like productive and get chunks that it's almost just like, why, why are you doing this? But see, this is the thing. And I will argue that, when when they're doing you know when a quarterback has a three step step drop and the first two quarterbacks that came to my mind were Tua and uh Mahomes and they do this thing where you know it's they're they're looking they go blindside with their pass and they do a three step drop and it's just bam they hit that on the crossing route and it's fucking money every time right and i think this uh that was another thing was was uh that the cowboys did that to the giants and it was almost like a cheat code um, all game. Right. So Dak looked spectacular because he was just hitting that same play over and over again. And the giants could not change or adapt to, to uh, cover it at all. They kept shading to the uh, shading to the outside or sh- shading in rather and, and keeping outside presence. And so every time they were just that first step cut in on that slant, bam, Dak hit you. It was a gain every time. First down, first down, first down. It yeah. was it was absurd. And um I think like when you're in shotgun, right? You've taken away those those kind of fast cut plays like that where the defense has to read the quarterback a little bit more, right? You're there's a lot of action happening right there at the snap of the ball. When when you know you the the D-backs, they already have a fucking vision of what's going on they can see much clearer and obviously any type of run that's coming coming from back there you have a clear vision of it and that's why i just i think shotgun has is just easily too red by today's talent in the nfl and and that's one of the big problems that you know they're having and and it's lazy it's lazy football (laughs) yeah yeah and it's like i don't i don't hate that the NFL has become more like college play calling. I'm not mad at that. Right. Because I think college play calling is actually pretty exciting and fun. And Mm -hmm. like 2005 to 2012, like professional play calling was pretty boring and bland, but I think we've also need to like take a break, take a breather and recognize that there is some productivity stuff that should go back to like, I formation, single back formation, stuff like that, that actually works. But I think there's just too much of a passing league now where people are like, no, this is just way too effective for us to go back to this thing where we're putting our quarterback in jeopardy because I mean, Q has said it all the time. Like, like offensive line units are not nearly as good as what they used to be. But I think that's also like what's what, what what I'm trying to say is like what is what is this chicken or the egg conversation is like to play calling change offensive line scheming or to like offensive linemen not being good because of practice change the play calling. I think that's if we're able to solve that riddle, we should bottle that shit and put it on Patreon. And, By the way, follow <laughs> us on Second Mouse Podcast and all your major streaming platforms. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and you're. To your point, also, I think um, the the question of you know where the where the NFL's direction is going with play calling right now this is this is like the lowest scoring season they've had in years. Um, it's really it's, funky, isn't it? It's also 
the, I think the first time they've had like we're we're going through a changing of the guard, like all the old guys, um, you know, of the last ten years at the quarterback position are are gone. We have a lot of new names, new faces, and there's a lot of injuries. So uh, I think what it was like last last week or the week before it was like nine uh, first year quarterbacks or something were playing or rookie. I, there was some sort of crazy stat or our first game. You know they were having their first game or first first year's game, whatever. Um, so like it makes sense that across the board it's a rough year in scoring in that sense. Um, but you would think you would go back towards basics for that reason, right? Because mm -hmm. if you can establish certain things like, you know, uh, teams are on any given day, a team can get beat by the run. It's just not, it's just not terribly great football, but if everyone's scoring low, then it's all about dominating the clock. Who cares if it's a fucking snoozer? The NFL cares if it's a snoozer because it's not good. Yeah. For they got, brand. they have feelings on that, that I think they disagree with you on, but if you're just trying to win football games as a coach and your run is effective, why the fuck would you do anything else? Right? Yeah. Um, who was it? I think it was two weeks ago. I was watching a game and I was like, they're going to lose this game because they're going away from the run, even though every time they run the ball, they are getting yards. And they ended up losing that game. Uh, I'm trying to think which game that was. Honestly, it's probably Washington. D dude, uh, yeah, Washington is actually a big uh, committer of this this sin. And forty four passes on Sunday and fourteen rushing plays. Yeah, and and like when they rush, they're effective. And I think it's because they have the inverse logic of it's only effective because we're passing so much. Whereas in my head, it's effective. Therefore, you should run more. And when mm -hmm. it becomes less effective, you run less. Right. And you make those adjustments. And I get that, you know, I'm I'm a dummy who watches it on TV on Sundays. But from an offensive coordinator's perspective, they will run plays that they know might not give them success. But it opens up a series of plays that they believe the defense will now have to align or think about for the next set of downs or the next series or whatever. Um, but. Again, if you find something that's effective, right? You know, three drop off, off your back, fucking slant to the left. It works. You keep going back to it till it doesn't work anymore. That's how you win football games. Yeah. At the I end mean, of the day, a, a good example is from that Washington Seahawks or the Seattle game where they didn't run, they ran the ball like maybe like eight times in the first half and they gave the ball to Brian Robinson, a bunch in the fourth quarter and they were picking up chunk plays like mm -hmm. eight yards, 11 yards. And I'm like, why weren't we doing this all game? Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's nothing worse than being like an, an offense where you have you know, three incompletions and you've burned like what nine seconds off the clock. Like that's not productive. Particularly no. in a game like that, where it was the last person that has the ball is going to win. And that's exactly what happened in that game. Yeah. And, you know, it just. It's important that you you make sure your your distribution is. Is also tuned to your team, right? Mm -hmm. And so if your strengths are 
are lying in in making sure that there's equal share like you have to know that that is more important than your game plan right and you have to be well aware of like who's playing well when they're playing well right <laughs> like yeah <laughs> the hot hand the hot hand yeah. there is something to it like when guys are feeling it when they're in a flow like why why change that and that's been a huge disconnect i think for a lot of teams that have been struggling like you look at like Devonte adams and his his uh you know, criticisms this year of the team and he's not getting, he's not getting the ball when he wants, but if you look at the numbers, he's actually getting it quite a bit. <laughs> um, uh, but you know, like you have these guys that are frustrated, like, you know, there's a lot of people being critical of Stefan Diggs at, with the bills right now. And it's like, it's not on him, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, he's doing the best he can, but when, I mean, when Josh Allen is throwing it to the other team 11 times and leads the league, like, there's going to be complications to that. It's funny that you mention um, Stefan Diggs because I think he has, yeah, the most targets in the NFL right now. Yeah. Like, you're getting getting the ball plenty. Yeah. And, I mean, like, and that's the thing. Like, I, I look at this team. And then I try to look at like the 2021 team's target shares. Um, and you had a different, it's just such a different group, right? Because, you know, currently you have Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, Dalton Kincaid, your top, your top three there. Right. And in 2021, it was Stefan Diggs still getting the lion's share, but Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders and Dawson Knox, all kind of, supporting cast there much and more Cole effective. Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders were kind of like the same player too, right? Like a slot guy. Yeah. 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 They, they kind of had, so their, their Z and slot were, were, you know, kind of the same there. And I think that was, what was great was because you could give defensive, very deceptive looks, but gave Davis as much as we've been very high, you know, high on him in the, in the past, like coming into the league, I think that has kind of floundered out. He's a little bit more one di- dimensional and he seems to only succeed because teams ha- uh, tend to forget about him <laughs> on the yeah. field. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at on NFL savant right now, he has a ton of like deep, right first down, like shots that have happened that have been successful for him. So gotcha. I'm looking at this one graph right now. It says Gabe Davis um, passing direction yardage breakdown by down. And it's like deep right is 105 and it's like double every other area. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you're number two, though, is also only completing 54% of their catches, you know, um, considering they're being targeted the second most at 20%, like that's huge. Mm-hmm. That's ginormous. It's not good. That's that's going to hurt you every time. It's like, and, and that's and the 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 problem. I mean, I'm looking at this team, and it's like, like who is like, is it like Khalil Sh- Shakir? Is he is he gonna be the the number three receiver? Like, who, is he gonna step up? Like, because otherwise, it's just like you know, Dawson Knox like, again. No, Dawson Knox gone, right? <laughs> no, Dawson Knox still there. Yeah. Somewhere they have two, they have two tight ends and, and that's, that's their next best receivers. And it's like, all right, well, 
I will say this, Gatto. I think their number two receiver for next year is not on this team yet. It's quite possible. Because um, if your number one receiver has 104 targets this year, or has, let's go to the 23 year. If, yeah, if your number one receiver has 104 targets this year and the second guy has 54, something has to change in there because Josh Allen either is looking too much at Stefan Diggs because he knows he's going to be open, Mm -hmm. but that also could lead to the interceptions as well. So you're going to have to find, you're going to have to make a trade for like forcing it into him. Yeah. Yeah. You're and, and we see that a lot where guys that have like good relationships, they're always looking for that one receiver and hell or high water. They're going to throw it to him because they have the confidence and the trust that that guy is going to be open. And for a guy like Stefan Diggs, I think that's totally justifiable, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they go after like a, if they make a trade for a judge Judy or um, mm-hmm. somebody I, else or make a, I thought or, T. Or Higgins. a guy. A T Higgins, that's a good one too. Yeah, I think that he's one's still young. Um, you know, he he gives them because he's he's a big body with a large radius for catching. Mm-hmm. You know, so he could really he could really light it up on that team. Um, even yeah, even someone like a Calvin Ridley coming in there. Um, maybe a little too old for them though. Uh, Chenault, Michael Pittman, maybe. You know these these seem like guys that might be. That might give them a new depth. They they need a new new style of wide receiver to kind of shake things up, in my opinion. Yeah, I think they're going to want to go for like a proven guy, though. I don't. Ooh, like a Mike Evans, maybe. Mike Evans will be a free agent next year. Um, I don't know how much cap space they're going to have. That's a good question, um, though. But I mean, they can always make it work. I mean, there's. I don't know what that Von Miller contract looks like, but I'd imagine they're not getting their money's worth out of that one. And they could very easily say goodbye to him. Yeah. Um, and then again, like Josh Allen could always restructure his contract to like free up some money. And then that's the one thing seems that I like a guy that would do that too. Yeah. That's the one thing I appreciate about the NFL is like money is not real. <laughs> um, unless you're like in cap hell, like a couple of teams that we've talked about where they've just created bad contracts for themselves. More often than not, you're able to restructure somebody's contract where you're able to find like three or four million to bring somebody in. Now, I do have to wonder, are we putting too much on the Bills offense being bad and not paying attention to maybe some of the less glamorous things that have been happening with the bills defense. I, I I don't know where, where do they sit in terms of turnovers and like, I mean, two years ago, you did not want to pass on the bill on the bills defense, right? Like it was, they've a lost a lot of guys because of injury. They've lost a lot of guys because yes. of injury. Matt Milano being one of them, Tredavious white being the other one. That's a great point. Like they've had so many, like they're cursed in the prime time, these prime they time are. slots. I can't, I, I think I turned on the game Monday and for the few minutes that I was able to like catch be, before falling asleep, um, 
I, I someone was getting walked off the field. You know, it was like that's what I I came into, and I was like, this is so typical of the season they've had. And it started, I think, in uh, it started in in that London game where they just got smashed up, man, and they haven't really recovered. They've just been really banged up this year. I mean, it might even go back to I mean, we're going back to like the the game against the Bengals, right? It felt like almost a curse came across this team uh with the whole Demar Hamlin thing. And since then, it's just primetime slots are just have not they, been good for them. No, they need like they all need to like talk to their better help counselors after these games, man. It's just so bad. Yeah, I'm looking at their defensive rankings this year and they're kind of like they're kind of like middle of the road in everything. So they sit like right around in the middle. The one thing that they're like within the top one, two, three, four, they're top five in points against. So points Mm. scored against them. They are um, 18.3 per game. And Baltimore is at 15, seven Kansas city's at 15, nine. And their, their defense is really, really good. San Francisco is right there too. And then Dallas, it's actually a pretty interesting drop-off between San Francisco and Dallas because it's a three-point difference right there. Huh. Um, and then and then Buffalo, then Cleveland, then New York. Um, so, I mean, for the most part, their defense has been okay. But, again, it's very much a bend-but-don't-break defense because if you look at, like, statistically – yards against passing yards against rushing yards against like all of it's kind of middle of the road. It's just things shut down when they get in, when other teams get in the red zone. Yeah. I mean, like my golden standard is always like turnovers, right? Like who's generating the most turnovers. Um, and they're like middle of the road too. They're like halfway middle of the road there too. Yeah. And like, you're never going to win a, a, a championship in a year that you're giving, you're giving up more turnovers than you're you're creating or taking advantage of. Minus three for them, by the way. Yeah, it's and and I mean that's that's coming off of this uh, last game, right? Like this, just it's it's interesting. I I think they're also they might be uh, rushing a little less. If, I don't um, know if they have the guys to – I don't know if they have the personnel to be doing it if Von Miller is kind of like on and off the field. I can't mm-hmm. think of – I can't even think of the guy like a Leonard Floyd is the other one, but he's kind of a journeyman at this point. Like he's been around the league for a while. So Yeah, yeah. I, they're actually – they're rushing. They're not significantly off from where they were two years ago. Um, It's about the same amount of uh rushes. Yeah, Leonard Floyd, seven sacks. Ed Oliver, five. AJ Epeniza, Epeniza, six and a half. Like they've they've gotten after the quarterback quite a bit. Jordan Phillips is another one that was like a big name and kind of meh. But I mean, again, a middle of the road defense that's kind of clouded over by what's happening on offense and i think that's ultimately the problem that they have is that their offense is giving the ball away a lot mm-hmm. um it's hard, it's hard to turning the ball over with with the quarterback doing it the same as well 
Josh Allen has 11 interceptions, leads the league. Yeah, and I think this was – I think it's not great, when, he came in, when he came into the league, that was a big fear, was that he was going to make those turnovers. And I think there were these flashes where you were like, Josh Allen's going to have those days, and then Josh Allen's also going to have days where he looks like the best quarterback to have you know, walked the earth. <laughs> so, you know, we've seen a lot more of that. And it could just be coming da- back down to, to earth. It could be partially because of, you know – the the fact that it wasn't the ball giving him plays uh, it just but for whatever reason yeah it's it's true it's something had to give unfortunately that ends up being Ken Dorsey um do you think where do you think Dorsey lands <laughs> do you think he ends up Giants you think he ends up Giants Maybe I think he'll quarterback I think coach or... yeah I think he ends up as like either a QB coach or like I could also see them letting Mike Kafka go and replacing him with Ken Dorsey. Um, but Dayball is the one who calls the plays there. So I would imagine that Dorsey would be more of like the game prep guy. Probably see him as more of a quarterback's coach, though, because mm-hmm. just given his background, it's very effective doing that. Don't necessarily know how good his play calling has been because we have a year and a half worth of proof there that it's. Mm-hmm. Something was just not working there. I think it, it just makes sense for him to go to New York. I think yeah. in all likelihood, I think it's fair to say what, or New York is going to have a new quarterback from the draft and it's going to be a reset for them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. get ready to be hurt again, Gatto. <laughs> I always am. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what do you say? We're at an hour right now. Do you want to do game picks and then we can do assholes and picks of the week? Yeah, that sounds great, man. Um, let me just pull up the schedule for week 11. We're, we're really in this now, huh? We're, we're fully invested. What website are you looking at that schedule from? Uh, right now, this is just a Google schedule. I don't have the one with the spread, but I can pull that up. I only ask because I, in some cases, like we're all looking at different schedules and they're all like framed Adam. differently. Yeah. 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 And and we should probably figure out one to all get on. Um, <laughs> uh, right, I'm going to use the athletics. Okay. Uh, I love me some athletics. They also they give you the they give you the spread on here, and let's start right off the bat. Cincinnati Bengals, Baltimore Ravens. Uh, it is a three and a half spread here. I am assuming for the Ravens. I actually don't like this one. We're going to use a different one. <laughs> is it because you don't like that spread? <laughs> no, because it doesn't. It, I I I think. I think it's because I don't like how they have this set up. Uh, no, okay. Now I know. I see how they have it set up. Um, it, the spread's fine. It's just that I wasn't sure if they were they were putting the favorite with the spread next to them or what. Ah. Because yeah, but now it's glaringly obvious because I'm an idiot. Uh, <laughs> so how are you feeling about this one? I think this is going to be a Bengals game. Um, Bengals. Yeah. I think that they know that this is a must win for them. 
and coming off of their game last week where they lost from a fucking field goal at the end, they are going to have to put it together. Yeah. And, and something every game from here on out is a playoff game for them. So it's true. It's, it's, it's shit or get off the pot, right? Yes, exactly. Um, and, and I also kind of see it like, uh, the way the world, the world works just sometimes, you know, um, like chaos is a ladder and it just seems like it's going to get real, real fucking juicy in the event that the Ravens fucking lose this one. Right. It's a Thursday night game too. Like, I feel like these games are often more unpredictable than most. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I feel okay. Picking Bengals here. Yeah. Like the extra time, the, like the thing that, that the Ravens have an edge over the, the Bengals. Um, and I think they have a few edges, but one of them is probably coaching. And um, the fact that there's a, there's less time to coach their team gives the be- the Bengals an edge in, in being better gamers, in my opinion. Yeah. So we're both right. going Bengals, right? We're, we're, yeah, we're banging the Bengals here. All right. Uh, Steelers, Browns, uh, Browns are favored by one point. Hmm. Uh, I gotta go Steelers here. I don't love the Steelers in this game, but, um, I think their, their defense is playing pretty good. I haven't loved the Steelers all year, but they Mm -hmm. still seem to figure out a way to win, uh, I mean, Tomlin is a genius, right? So, what, whatever that man's doing, he's still he's still making it work. Uh, it probably won't be a very inspiring game. Oh God, because- this is the game you you just you can read about it in the paper. Like yeah. you don't need to watch it. Like it it's definitely going to happen. Like at the end of this game, everybody will have played. Mm-hmm. But. It's not I, one you need to tune into. I, and I feel I, bad for everybody in Western PA in Ohio that has to watch this game. Well, and and that's why I think I am taking the Browns on this because the Browns defense is fucking still really good. Yeah, uh, and and they're they, like top league. They're they like- could feast. Yeah, and 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 I think you know, like I said, there's that weird with uh, let's I'm gonna just call them uh, DTR. <laughs> uh coming in and taking snaps uh with the option if that doesn't work you can always go back to walk uh to walker right so um i i just see like him coming in and the steelers not knowing what the fuck to do against him might make life a little bit more hectic for them and sure. thus they could let up some big plays Yeah, so we're going to split here. I'm going to go Steelers. You're going to go Browns. Um, and neither one of us are watching this game. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I- I'll watch the clips later. Um, <laughs> uh, Bears-Lions, uh, seven and a half point favorites. So Justin Fields is playing in this game. Um, is He's scheduled to play in this game. I don't that... know how much of a difference it's going to make. Um if at all. <laughs> yes. I, I actually, I look at this game and I go, 
this is going to be the one where people like lose their mind and then they're like, we want Badgent back in, you know, like a quarter into the game. And, uh, and like people are just going to be acting insane um, watching this game and there's going to be a weird overreaction. And yeah, Lions are probably like going to cook because uh, David Montgomery's back. He's been gone for two weeks. Jameer Gibbs has also played really well, too. So they've developed a nice, like, I know we just shit on, like, multiple back backfields, but this is one that I think is actually, like, they well, have they, two number ones. But, but they're, like, inspired by the run. They don't shy from the run, right? They love like, the slop. They, they eat the slop. Yeah. They're they, born in the slop. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, man. Like, they, like their philosophy is you're going to respect our fucking run. And it, it does wonders for the rest of their personnel. Cause I think without that, Jared Goff doesn't become as effective as he is, you know, with I'm going to tell you what, like off. he's having a fantastic year. Good for him, man. Good for him. He's having a great year, but yeah. yeah. Um, lions at home. Give me the lions. I, I don't think they'll cover. That's a pretty big number. Seven and a half. Or I don't, I don't think that they're going to beat that number. I think they but, got it. I think they do. Do you? Yeah. It's, and the weird thing is, you know, like I think the athletic here is actually saying they're taking the Bears because that is a big number, right? It's, you know, two scores or whatever. But I don't – the Bears are still such a mess. Even when they, they come together and they find some weird, you know, they, they roll for whatever reason. I don't think they got it. It's a one one o'clock game. They haven't done great in those. <laughs> I don't yeah. think they've had much out of a one o'clock game. I'm rooting for, for Fields, but coming off of a, a thumb injury, I'm skeptical about that. He he's going to be weary of it, you know, as he throws the ball. Not Maybe. not during the play, but after the words, and that's going to be in his mind. You know, it's. I mean, it could just be. He ran for like 279 yards against the Lions last year. It could be another one of those too, where he just he just eats on the ground. Like, hey, my my hand is not 100, percent but like they still can't catch me. So, my my one thing is, if if that becomes the case, there's a good chance that he doesn't make it through the entire game. Right? He needs to stop scrambling. He's a small dude. He if he's not. Sure, he's gonna get like out of bounds or he's gonna be able to slide cleanly. Like, don't take those hits, man. You are a tiny dude. <laughs> what are you talking about? He's 6'3, 228. He's a big small guy. To me. He's small to me. He looks small to me. I don't know why. He looks small to me. Everyone looks small to me, I guess. That's the problem. That's fair. All right, what else you got? I got Chargers at Packers. Uh Packers are three and a half point favorite. What? 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 I don't. And this that. is just this is it's a weird one, right? Because the Chargers just figure out ways to lose. Like they they either can't stop the onslaught of the other team's offense. Um, they just I don't know. Justin Herbert, he like he does fine. He had a he had a great game last week. They still lost, right? Like, yeah. I, I feel for him, honestly, to be on a team like that and just still not be able to get it done. 
It's a weird, it's a weird team. And honestly, like the dominoes have started to fall too, right? Like with Ken Dorsey getting fired, we're kind of in that time frame right now where teams seem to figure out like what they are. And Staley has kind of been on the hot seat for the last year and a half or so. I would have, I think that if they don't win this game, it's, it's Jover for him. He's done. Yeah. Because they need I, this game, they need this game to get back to 500. And if they don't, they're they're out of it completely. Um, they actually, I mean, they're tied with Denver right now, and Denver's won three straight. And I mean, you know, the Packers had a great game last week, but like they lost they, it though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the other thing, and they're they're up and down as well. You know what I mean, like. Jordan Love might just finally be coming into who he is, but like, I don't know. Chargers have to win this one, right? Yeah. I mean, is this like, I know this would be the, the penultimate it's Jova, but like for Staley, but like if he does, if he does win this, like, do you see him just like in your mind? Do you think it's the end for him? I, I think it's I think it's the end for him regardless how the season ends. Like the end of the season, yeah. It's it's Kellen more time, huh? Yeah, I, I think this will just delay him getting fired. Okay. I'm with you on that. Because once they're out of it, like what's the point, right? Mm-hmm. So who are you taking? Commercials. I don't know. This is another <laughs> game I don't fucking care about. Not uh, so give interested. The, give me the Packers. They're at home. Like yeah. I still think Lambo has a little mystique to it. Yeah, I think I'm taking Packers as well here. I think three three points. Yeah, that's that's the margin for this game. And for what it's worth, comparative to the Chargers, the Packers do take the ball away much more. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. their defense is just a like a tick better in a number of areas. I think they're going to be able to. Like their their offense is completely like booty to me, but um, I think at least they'll be able to do something on defense to change the tide of that game, or at least change mm-hmm. the momentum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna have to go with you, um, Pack, on this one. Uh, Vegas Raiders versus the Miami Dolphins, favored at at Miami. Uh, it's it's thirteen and a half. I don't know how many games you can win with Aiden O'Connell. The Vegas Raiders are a lovely story right now. Antonio Pierce, former giant, also former commander. So there's <laughs> mad respect there's all around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think the uh, they kind of come back to earth this one because the Dolphins will just run all over them. Clearly, there's a difference. Like 31.7 points per game versus 17.2. Like... 13 and a half point spread. Mm-hmm. And your boy, Devon Achan, is back in business. Good for him. Love that for him. Yeah. So um, we, we know the affinity of the Dolphins to beat up on uh, under 500 teams. I kind of think even with this insane spread, uh, the, the, like, the Dolphins are still going to take this game, man. And you think they're, they're going to cover that spread? I think they will. I'm insane enough to say a big spread like this 
It's it's got it's like I don't think it's close. This could very easily be like a 31-10 game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or like a 37-13 game or something like that. Because the fun that's happening with the Raiders right now is a change in personnel, philosophy. It kind of changes how you study the team. It's not changed the talent, though, right? It, like, Not really. If anything, like the, the talent is just it's the same personnel. It's just getting a different look, right? Right. Like, things feel new. Yeah. <laughs> and again, like Aiden O'Connell is the guy who's your quarterback. And, you know, like there's, I mean, again, I, I remember him young, from Purdue, but I don't remember him well from Purdue. An, again, it's a quarterback. There wasn't much tape on prior to this, right? Now and they beat a up on more. They beat up on shit teams too. Yeah. No offense to the Giants, but no, like, all the offense to the Giants. Giants, you should hear that. It should make you mad. They beat up <laughs> on the Giants. They they kind of won against the Jets. Those are two teams that don't have quarterbacks that are kind of like adrift right now. Yeah. Versus now you're playing a team that is the highest scoring team in the NFL. Yeah, they've got their shit kind of together. Kind of, sort of. So we're both going Dolphins here? I think we're taking Fins, yeah. Fins on the big margin. Should I be so bold to say that we are going to both go Dolphins not only win, but they cover the spread? That's what I'm saying. Okay. For sure. They're playing at home, too. I don't know how much of a uh, home field advantage Hard Rock Stadium is, but they're going to be there. Yeah. uh, I, I just... I don't know, man. Even even if Josh Jacobs has like a huge day, um, I just gonna have to have a tremendously huge day. Yeah, like yeah. record book level day. Yeah, and I don't I don't think you do that against that Dolphins defense. Ooh, this might be the this this this. I think we we can both agree, and this is gonna be a delight for you. New York Giants at. The Washington Commanders. I don't know why you say that. I don't know why you say that because I remember watching the last game and it wasn't a delight for me. (laughs) No, I I think it'll be, I think the outcome will be different because the ever since the Giants game, the Commanders play calling has been drastically different. It's been much quick passing and things like that have been much like screens quick slants, things like that to get the ball out of Sam Howell's hands have been that has taken over the playbook, but also they've had a change at two positions on the offensive line and they have played much better. Like that was the wake up and smell the coffee game. Yeah. I mean, you, you lost to a team 14 to seven and you definitely should have won that game. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, I mean, the spread is nine and a half. Am I going to get myself hurt again if I say they can probably beat that? If they win by 10, like, I think I, they can do that. I mean, I will say that the Giants do tend to play tough against the Commanders. It's a division game, yeah. Um, and the last one didn't inspire a ton of confidence for me either. So, But with Tommy DeVito and this giants team just being so flat. Yeah. Um it it just seems like it's it's a day for you know Brian Robinson, Sam Howell to just go off and and feel good about themselves. So So as a Giants fan, um I know you're not going to be watching quarterback play, 
But is there anything that you are going to be watching in particular from this game that you want to see? Is there anything you're going to be paying attention to from your team's perspective? Well, like like I said earlier, I was like, you know, the Giants seem so defeated at this point, right? Like that's why that like they allowed the Cowboys to like run up that score on them. Yeah. Um, and and I worry that they're just like we're so checked out. Like the only thing we're looking forward to is getting to the end of the season. And uh, I think like it's one thing to like lose the rest of the season. It's like another thing to just not even have tried or showed up and okay. Sure. If someone's hurting or banged up, sit them. Cause it doesn't really matter. Right. And one thing, the giants and Q's if Q was here right now, he'd say, this is what I want. I don't want fucking anybody that's sort of hurt to try hard or give a shit or whatever. And I agree mm-hmm. with him and the giants need to get better at how they handle injuries because even though there is always going to be injuries in the NFL, there, there are doesn't have to be ones. dumb ones. Yeah, right. or pre- like ones that could have been prevented. You're very right about that, Tom. And so I, I'd like to see the Giants not lose by double digits over and over and over again. But, you know, I I don't know what, what's going on. And every time I see a game like that, I think – this is the defense is just sick of what's going on there. And the culture is in need of change. And I mean, we just changed the culture. So like, what do we do now? Like, um, yeah. So as a giants fan, I would like to see a little bit better of defensive play. Again, I don't care if we lose the game, but I would just hope that the team would, would want to, at least like have play. some red. Yeah. Like at least, at least try to stay in it. See like create opportunities to stay positive or see what, what, what could be there for next season. Right. Like if they're mm-hmm. just not even trying, you're not going to know what you have because all that tape is crap at that point. Right. Right. And yeah, I think if I were a giants fan, I'd want to watch if, if Jalen Hyatt is returning from his concussion, I'd want to see him play a full complement of plays. Yeah, I want to. I want to. I want to get some good tape to be able to like make assessments on what needs to change for next year. So I need. I need players to actually play. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What are you expecting out of out of the Commanders for this week? Big defensive um, game or just no, an offensive? <laughs> Gatto, the only team that is a worse defensive team from points per game perspective than the Giants are the Commanders. So um, their defense is is like ass. And it's not because they traded Montez Sweat and Chase Young. It's been that way all season. So um, ideally, I would like to see another clean game from Sam Howell. But I also want to see them rebalance like their run pass to make it a little bit more like 60% of their plays are passing 40% are running or something close to that, because it's been really out of whack. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause they've been down in a lot of games too. But again, like another clean game from Howell, he leads the league in completions and yardage. Um, and I'd like to see, you know, just another good game from him. Good decision-making throw a couple touchdowns, no turnovers. Um, and like then, seeing the the good habits get committed to memory, 
Yeah, because he yeah. he played a pretty he played a really good game against um Seattle, but he had a fumble when he was scrambling and he tried to just do too much. And then he mm-hmm. had that bad pick in the New England game. So I just want him to see like I want him to just have a quiet game where takes care of the football, does what he needs to do. They get out of here with everybody healthy. Um, I still think they have a shot at making a wild card. I mean, they've done it with a worse record in the past. So, um, and I'd like to see that defensive line actually be a little bit more aggressive, mm-hmm. but it's a Jack Del Rio often. So everyone plays like they're dead. That Q Jack D. <laughs> Fucking insane, man. All right. Who else we got? We got Cowboys Panthers. Cowboys next. <laughs> good. Do we need good to talk call. about this one? Do we, we don't need. need to, we don't okay, need good. to talk about that one. Uh, Titans at Jags. Uh, Jacksonville's favorite six and a half. Uh, I Jaguars look terrible last week. Dude, they are very much an up and down team. They show up or they don't show up at all. Um, the Tennessee Titans, on the other hand have found some like renewed life with um with Will Levis here. Where did you see that in their game against the Buccaneers? They lost 20 to 6. <laughs> That's true. Did we watch the same game? I didn't actually get to watch that game at all, so <laughs> Jesus. I agree uh, with you. I think that team has got a little bit more juice to it with Will Levis there and we were shitting on him quite a bit, but he just they didn't have a, his fill of banana rinds and fucking mayo in his coffee. You know, all of like the weird things that you find in like a compost pile. He's just like dipping like zebra cakes in fucking queso cheese. Oh man, just, he, he no, must be he a human landfill. He, he wouldn't do that, Gatto, because it's all fucking saturated fat and trans fat, and like he needs his healthy fats. So he like. Will drink oh, tell me what, or- what's healthy about mayonnaise. He will drink <laughs> touche. Well, he's also from the South, so it makes sense. But he will drink all of that oil that sits on top of that natural peanut butter, like, and he'll just throw the, the container away. Oh, my God. That does sound like <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't ooh. want the peanut butter. Give me the oil. Fuck that. Yeah, just give me the oil. Oof. <sighs> Um, give me the Jags in this game, but they don't cover. Interesting. I, I, uh, they, they got to bounce back on this one, right? Like in a, in a major way, because they were, they had a nice winning streak up until that 49ers game where they just got fucking pummeled at home. Yeah. And I, I don't know though. Just. That that loss, that loss was a bit indicative, though, to me, that this is a team that's not gonna do it. And I think part of it is the Evan Ingram um, effect. Like he just wherever he shows up, so does a crowd of fucking games that you end up losing. Not that he's performing like he used to with the Giants, <laughs> but. He just he he's like a mush. I I can't explain it, man. He did not have a great game against um the 49ers though. Like four catches for 12 yards, but then again, Tristan Kirk is the only one who had a decent game. 
Yeah, and and but like that's the thing with the the Jaguars is like there's usually just one player that feasts week to week, yeah. game to game. You know, um, I don't know. I, I just I don't. I, I think Jags end up losing this one. I'm gonna take Titans. Wow. At least I okay. At least I'll take I'll take the tight the Titans not to lose by six and a half. Okay, that I'll take. Uh, Cardinals Texans four and a half favorites at Houston. Ooh. Hmm. This is tough, actually. Um. Stroud is like looking like straight up Iron Man these days. I will say this. I think that Houston wins because the defense in Arizona is bad. Okay. So the other thing. Not because Kyler Murray plays bad because I think he'll play well, but their defense is bad booty now james connor shows up this week and he's back does that change your mindset on any of this no because houston is eighth in the league in rushing against so or rushing yards allowed so i think they'll get him locked up pretty good and he's he's a decent back i wouldn't say that he's a guy that's going to be able to carry you to a win but Kyler Murray could. You never know. Um, if he's feeling frisky, he could be that guy. But I just think C.J. Stroud is on a roll right now, man, that, like, this is – I'm actually really surprised that he's not getting more, like, attention because this is the same shit that, like, people fawned over during, like, the Ben Roethlisberger era or mm. – um Give me another like like the Dak Prescott like all of his numbers are significantly better than all of those guys and he's fucking blowing the doors off of the league right now. Yeah, and I mean, it it seems like he's just pure gamer too. Like he can just get games in there forty bucks if you want to go. That's <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> it's not bad actually. It's, no, it's a pretty good all. deal. I've spent too much time in Houston this year though. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. Yeah, I. I'll tell you what, man. It's I. I've, I'm really excited about what CJ Stroud's been doing. It's it's kind of cool because it's definitely the sign that there is like a new mix up of the elite tier in the NFL, and that's what's kind of cool, right? Like mm-hmm. the new names every week that we're hearing. Um, and the unpredictability that it's creating, right? Because, like, who would have fucking thunk last year, Cardinals, te- like, Texans, you would even have a question of, like, who might win this one, right? <laughs> or a game that you just want to tune into. Like, yeah. there's a reason yeah. to watch this game now. Yeah, for for sure. Last like, year at this time, there wasn't a reason to watch it. Both teams yeah. didn't have a quarterback. They were both cooked. Like, I, I mean, I, I'll put it. This way, I think D'Amico Ryan's is like number one for coach coach of the year in my book. I would concur with that. I think he's done a fantastic job. Yeah, he's just he keeps cooking and he's doing a great job there. And 
Um, I'm I'm actually like I would want to tune into this one, and mm-hmm. I'm pretty. I might try to. <laughs> but all in all, uh, I think I'll take I'll take Texans. I want to see them roll. I think they're you know they're just they're getting it done. However, they fucking need to, you know. Yeah. All right, let's uh let's zip through the rest of these here. Yeah, that sounds good because uh Bucks Niners, eleven and a half at San Fran. Niners. Niners. Uh I'll take I'll take Niners to win, but maybe the Bucks make it close. So I I won't take that spread. Uh Jets Bills. At at Bills, it's seven points. Bills. I think Bills write the ship kind of, but I don't necessarily know if it's going to be a remarkable game. Yeah, I, it, it might be ugly, but they'll get it done, right? I'm wondering, um, has the line moved since Ken Dorsey got fired? I don't know if we could find that somewhere, but I'd be curious to see whether it's gone. It's gotten better or gotten worse for the Bills. I will tell you right now, actually. On that one, even though I know we said we were going to zip through them, <laughs> I, I'm I'm just genuinely curious about what that might look like. Yeah, um, it, it and I guess yeah, wrong week, buddy. Um, and and I I think part of this too being does that instill? I mean, who who's coming in now to cover for? Ken Dorsey. That I couldn't tell you. Uh, so the green line lineup. Oh, Joe Brady. Ooh, Joe Brady. I, I actually like that one quite a bit. Interestingly enough, this the line on this one has been flat all week. Huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, actually, oh, wait, there was a big drop on the under over. So predicting fewer points scored. Yes. Interesting. Slightly. You see, I think there's going to be more points because I, Joe Brady has, is a pretty good coordinator. He was with that um, LSU team that won a national championship. He's got some time in the New Orleans Saints, too. Mm-hmm. I think Bills win this one. Yeah, I mean, it's still pretty much handedly that the Bills win this, but um, just watching what the money line was doing all week, um, it tr- like it trended downward after the news broke of Brady, which seems mm. odd, but Hey, if that's something you're into, I guess, um, you know, they might be, that, that might be a, a good game to, um, dabble with. I don't know. Uh, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, anyhow. Yeah. We we've got bills on this one. Seahawks at the Rams. Uh, Seahawks are a point favorite. Give me Seahawks. Seahawks coming off of a coming off a big win for them last week against the Commanders. They're six and three right now. Like they also have to keep pace with the 49ers as well. And the 
the Rams are kind of lifeless at this point. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty much over for Matt Stafford. He's done. Um, and that team is just loaded with injuries. Yeah, I mean, I've actually started benching Cooper Cup in my fantasy league because he's yeah, just they're done. done. They're toast. Um, Vikings, Broncos. Broncos are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Give me the Broncos. They're on a nice little winning streak. Um, and I think the as much as I appreciate the Josh Dobbs, like um, – as much as I appreciate the Josh Dobbs storyline, I think that it it does have to end at some point. And the Broncos have won one, two, three. They've won three straight. Um, they're playing at home. And I think they're, again, Russell Wilson's playing pretty well. Give me the Broncos. So the one thing that I'm going to say is the differentiator for me here is that uh, the Vikings have a extra day of of time to catch up because the Broncos played on a Monday night. Doesn't necessarily equate, but it is a shorter week for them. True. Um, and even though they're going to be at home, this is a this is this is where we're coming into that time of the year where things start to get cold and hits hurt a little bit more. Uh, Russell Wilson being a little bit older, might feel it in his bones, might not have the best of weeks. I'm still, I'm still trending against Russell, even though we've, we've said, said our apologies this week. Um, what an absolute you know what? hater you are. You know what? Once is luck, twice is skill, right? So, uh, yeah. you had a big game last week, but you've still had these bad beats close. So, uh, I'll, I'll take. I'll take the Vikings on this one. Um, it, it's probably going to be close. It's it's definitely going to be within a score. Yeah, probably down to the wire. Ooh, all right. And uh, this this is actually a really interesting one. Eagles. Wait, Chiefs. hang on. Oop. Is Broncos Vikings the Sunday night game? It, it is. is the Sunday night game. Ugh. They have not picked good Sunday night games. No, it's it's things to fall asleep to, right? Yeah, you you have that shit playing in the background is like gray noise. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, big game Eagles Chiefs. Holy shit! This At is... Chiefs, two and a half favorites. Two and a half point favorites. Man. Now Chiefs were is off Taylor, last week. Is Taylor gonna be there? Oh, gotta be right. Um, I, I would imagine so. I, I heard this is the meeting of the parents game, too. <laughs> so there's a lot riding on both parties. Both well, Kelsey brothers have a lot going for them right now. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. I, I mean, what, what multiverse did you think we'd be living in where uh, the Kelsey brothers are dating the biggest pop star and and or the sexiest man alive or fucking whatever it is? <laughs> what a wild what a time to be alive gato oh it's so weird it's it's beyond odd i'm uh, gonna they're say just this. fucking they're yeah but the kelsey brothers are taking the world by storm good for them they're fucking yeah. cool dudes yeah you know? get some ohio there you go yeah Cincinnati. they're fucking great um under over how many times how many how many how many pass attempts go to kelsey in the end zone on this on this game 
uh, a lot because um, I don't know if Young Joka is playing in this game, but he's the only receiver they have that's legit. So and I'd say Rashi Rice is, has had streaks in which you could say he's he's coming along, you know, for a rookie. Still not super impressive. So I'm Still higher on them. It. Still not buying it. I'm I'm higher on them because I'm lower on the Eagles defense. And that's one thing that they do very well uh, is, you know, the Chiefs still figure out ways to get down the field and score on you. Um, The other the other part of this is that is that the Chiefs have a scrappy fucking defense. That's actually one of the best in the league, too. Yeah, like they are. That's probably one of the more underplayed stories this so far in the league that and, like their defense has kept them in games to win. And that's the funny thing. I think the reason they've been like kind of um, unmentioned up to this point is that it's it's not easy to pin down where this success is coming. And so it's really hard for a writer or a um, or a commentator to actually go in and say, hey, like this is why this is happening because it's week to week. It's just effective defense. Mm -hmm. It's just getting the job done. And, um, I, I, I think that, you know, this is, this is a game. I mean, we're talking, we're talking rematch here, right? Like, I, I think it's a, it's certainly a rematch game. I think the outcome is the same though. I'm, I, Arrowhead is just too hard of a stadium to play in. One of the loudest in the, like this. Yep. It's one of the loudest in the uh in the league. And yeah, especially if Taylor's there, it's it's I think it's over. Yeah. I think it's yeah. over. I think it's I think it's definitely a good game to watch, but I think I I would say it's probably gonna be a one score game, maybe a field goal game. It's going to be definitely worth sticking around for. And Andy Reid is 5-0 and against the Eagles after leaving the Eagles. Yeah. Well, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't have it the other way around. <laughs> you can't be 5-0 and against the Eagles when you're on the Eagles. but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's um, got their number, man. He's safe with them. Yes, sir. All right. Let's so. do uh, – you want to do assholes and picks? Yeah, I guess so. Um, in terms of, uh, it's funny because uh, you brought up George Santos earlier, and I was actually going to make him uh, my asshole of the week. <laughs> I'm gonna push back. I'm gonna say he's the hero of the week. He's a fantastic person. <laughs> to have that much confidence and just lie your way into Congress is fantastic. Well, to be such a maniac that can literally lie about anything um, yeah. and not even think twice about it. But you're like being so terrible at it makes you kind of an asshole. Um, but, you know, oh, I, I think I might so obviously wrong about bit. it. <laughs> it's it's so well, like the what I was going to bring up was just that uh, the the fact that he was making a joke on TV to Fox about how he accidentally found out about OnlyFans just for investigators to, or, or um, journalists to find out that he was using campaign money 
to uh, subscribe to OnlyFans four months prior to him making that statement. So that's kind of yeah. fucking hysterical. It's not, it's just, it's funny to me. I just. <laughs> 10 out of 10, no notes. Good night, sweet prince. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful, it's such a wonderful fucking thing. It's hysterical. Yeah. It's... Was that going to be your asshole too, though? No, no, I actually have another one too, but also a member of the Republican Party. So my asshole nice. of the week is actually going to be Mark Wayne Mullins from Oklahoma. So um, if you had watched any of the congressional testimony with the Teamsters, um, him and the president of the Teamsters have bad blood because apparently when Mark Wayne Mullen was running his plumbing business, the Teamsters tried to unionize and have fair wages and like decent con working conditions. So there has been like this continuous like infighting or argument going back and forth between Mullen and the president of the Teamsters. Um, I think it was on Tuesday, there was a congressional hearing. And Mark Wayne, that's his first name, by the way, read off a bunch of tweets that the president of the Teamsters had said about him and called him basically just a big phony and a liar and a fraud and all those things. He's And Mullen is like, do you want to fight right now? And <laughs> the president of the Teamsters is like, yeah, man, I'll fight you. No problem. And Mark <laughs> Mullen stands up and thank God for Bernie Sanders. He is a fucking national treasure. He's able to convince Mark Wayne Mullen to sit down. He's like, you're a U.S. senator for Christ's sake. Like, dude, chill it's the amazing. fuck out. You, you cannot be fighting. <laughs> I also want to point out that Mark Wayne Mullen is like five foot six. And he's definitely got like some kind of like little man syndrome. So he knows Krav Maga is what you're saying. <laughs> He probably watched a YouTube video of like how to break somebody's finger. Um, and that's the extent <laughs> of it. But it's just, dude, like he, he, Mark Wayne Mullen pitched this whole thing of like, I started from nothing. Um, I had no money when I started my plumbing business. He inherited the plumbing business from his father. He's a fucking fraud. <laughs> and he tried to be like a tough guy in the middle of a televised hearing. And he just looked like a, such a small person, both physically and emotionally. Yeah. It's pretty good asshole. He also has two <laughs> fucking first names as a first name. Yes. It does. It's not like Mark dash Wayne or Mark and Wayne is his middle name. And he just uses the full name. It's Mark Wayne with no space. Dude. Was that just like on the birth certificate? It's like there's a space for name, and then right next to it is middle, you know, middle name, and then it's like last yeah, name. Yeah, you, you caught on some like line, nursing and they just intern. by accident put them both there. Yeah, you caught some yeah. nursing in tune on their first day using like a teletype, and they're not familiar with a typewriter. <laughs> How old is he? He's like in his forties. Yeah, so may maybe they were doing it on punch cards back then. Probably I mean, it was a yeah. house. <laughs> And they just screwed up and they didn't put the space on the punch card. <laughs> oh, man. So those are our assholes of the week. Gato, what is your pick of the week? Oh, my pick of the week is Nodos um, for for legal meth. Um, no. <laughs> uh, I, um, I'm i going to shamelessly plug the uh, Formula One 
Las Vegas Grand Prix, man. Yeah, you kind of uh, buried the lead there. It. I didn't tell anybody that you're fucking going to it. Well, I didn't really know I was going to go to it till the very last moment because I Everybody, had to figure out. Everybody, right now, Gatto is actually a one percenter, and he's flying in on his private jet. <laughs> Tax um, this man. Tax this man. Actually, to be quite to be quite honest about it, I do actually make um you know life decisions based on loyalty points at for delta and i'm coming up on the end of the year and looking at scheduling i needed to take this weekend and go somewhere and it had to be somewhere outside of a 3400 mile radius that just happened to land me in vegas where there was actually something going on and to do so um I decided I was going to go check out this Formula One race. But the thing about it was it's been getting a lot of criticism because of all the disruption that it's caused over the last couple months. In fact, some people could make can make an argument that this makes like Formula One a bit of an asshole. Um, they're this they're definitely overcharged. They were definitely overcharging for tickets on this. It's kind of been a mess. 100%. But um, the reason that this is my pick for the week is also because of the unpredictability the course is providing. It's going to cause teams to really work on a short schedule to make adjustments, to figure things out. Practice is actually going on tonight. Um, it's going on tomorrow night and qualifying tomorrow night. The race is on Saturday. At um, 1130 be, at night, by the way. It's, it's all going on real late at night. Um, but, uh, that's the thing is that they, they've literally just got to walk the track, um, two days ago. Uh, there's a lot of things that they're not, they're not sure about with the track. And so it should provide for a very interesting race, which will require that teams work together to, you know, uh, win this one. And it's become a tight race there for, uh, second, third, and fourth not really fourth, but second and third right now between uh, Mercedes and Ferrari. So all in all, um, coming down to the end of the year, uh, I'm looking forward to what happens this weekend. I think it's going to be an interesting race, and I'm excited to be there, shamelessly bragging about that. Um, but yeah, if uh, if you want to get addicted to a new sport and you're tired of uh, – just football with uh its lack of touchdowns this year um go watch go watch some f1 if you're not into with a lack already. of passing with a with <laughs> <laughs> no there could be a lot of passing okay sometimes there's a lot of passing sometimes yeah, yeah. no i i'm excited for this one too i don't love the fact the race is at fucking 11 30 at night my time but yeah um i understand why they did it um, it, I, I too will be really curious because it's brand new. It's brand new asphalt. Um, it's a track that no one has seen. It's a track that was created on the street. Um, and I think what you said, Gatto, is really important where track time is going to be really important. But the temperatures that they're going to be dealing with are so different mm -hmm. from what those temperatures are traditionally when it comes to a Formula One race. I think they said it's going to probably be in the somewhere like in the low 50s, um, maybe mm -hmm. even colder than that at night. So, and there was rain today or yesterday, too. Oh, that so only makes it worse kind of, then. 
which has made things all really interesting. Yeah. So it's it's brand new. It's brand new. Um, it's a brand new track. So it's just gonna bleed mm. all that like oil and grease from the the tarmac getting laid down. Again, like don't love the timing, um, but I think it's gonna be fun. At least it'll be a fast race. It'll be like nothing is cooler than watching cars go really fast around a track. So it's a good pick, it's guys. Vegas, baby. It's bring Vegas. us back some fucking French, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you some merch, man. It's my oh, it's Christmas gift. <laughs> um, my pick of the week is going to be a, another video game. Um, I think I picked one last week. There was a video game, but it's two, actually. So my first pick is going to be Payday 3. Payday is a like a heist game where you play with three other people and you basically rob banks and you can do it the stealthy way or you can go in guns blazing game super fun it's like stuff like that is enjoyable to play with a bunch of people um had a rough rocky launch to start but it also has rebounded pretty significantly again if you're looking for something fun and kind of goofy to play payday three is the one for you the second game is much different and it's one that i wouldn't think i was going to play but warhammer 40k dark tide is fucking bananas that game is so immersive i'm not a warhammer guy i've never played it i don't know any of the lore but watching some of the clips and just the gameplay itself you definitely feel like a sense of whoever made this game has a significant attention to detail and they love the IP. They love Warhammer. They love everything about it. I played a little bit of it after work today. I can't wait to play this game with a bunch of fucking friends. It's just, it, it's a cool game. It's violent. It's bloody. It's loud. There's a lot of screaming <laughs> heavy metal in it too. Like it's fucking cool, dude. So Warhammer 40 K dark tide and uh payday three are my picks of the week. See, that's interesting because uh, I, I nearly made my asshole of the week the new Call of Duty because it sucks so bad. Yeah. Activision it's, it's is just taking it. It's like a on step back. Oh, well, my God. It's terrible. What, what it really is, Gatto, is a DLC for Modern Warfare 2. But you're paying full price for it. It really. Yeah. It, But it's like it's all old boards. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. Like I there's. There, there hasn't. I haven't found like a redeemable quality. Like, there's a couple new types of score streaks, uh, and then there's like some different equipment, and they've done some modifications to like how you get your gear. But like, I don't feel like any of it has been that great of an impact. Um, it sucks, man. Uh, so, like, hearing that like Warhammer's like really fun and equally as aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> is it fast-paced warhammer yeah it's wild okay like uh, uh that that kind of piques my interest because um it's honestly kinda... if you liked left for dead it's kind of like that okay it's running around and shooting things like that at that like just like that okay yeah like a moving horde mode it's pretty sick okay <laughs> that's pretty sweet man yeah who makes that uh epic it's on the epic game store blink is one of the other like game developers i don't remember but it's it's dope like that's the one thing i appreciate about the warhammer franchise across everything is like they create a shit ton of content and 
some of it hits, some of it doesn't, but the game is exciting. It's fun. And it's a good game to play with friends too. Both of these payday three and Warhammer games. So you play with friends. Cool. Yeah. It's literally a soul crushing. Game. <laughs> yeah. You, and, and I, I kind of like, you know, like uh, it's, it's fun to shoot guns and be soldiers. It's also great to like fucking slay some shit with fucking hammers and fucking swords too. You know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Well, that's that does it for us. Scott, you got anything else? No. Uh, you know, Tom, do your thing. Take us out. I will. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that does it for us. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Real big deep dive. Uh, went off on a couple of tangents there, but hope you enjoyed it and learned something along the way. Um, if you like what you listen to, do us a favor and follow us on all the major streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Losers. If you're out there, sure, have at it. Um, but also you can catch us on Twitch and YouTube as well. Um, but also we talk about anything sports related. So if you want to give us some topics, if you want us to do an episode on Formula One or we can talk about basketball soon. Um, Cause that's starting to heat up with the mid season tournament. That's, you know, happening. Um, we'd love to do it. So give us some topics. You can follow us on social media as well at second mouse pod. Um, but if not, we'll see you next week, folks. Take it easy. Peace out. Let's go. Okay. Let's get me a rhythm. Then he says, and I'm not kidding you, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Jokes, Mr. Jokey. Joke maker. Ha! Suck it, Jack Sparrow. <laughs>